we lift it up with all of the angels and all of the saints who are already in the heavenlies. And we pray, Lord, that our praises would just echo along with all of them to your holiness, Lord. We are so grateful, we are humbled that we can stand before you, Lord. That you come, that you meet us in this place in all of your holiness. You bring your presence to us, Lord. And I pray that as we've engaged in worship tonight, and Lord, as we look at, at some nuggets of truth from your word, that you would make yourself real to us that you would make your presence known. God, that we would embrace walking into those spaces and those opportunities where we can just experience you as real and powerful and true. And God, we just pray that as we continue to just lean in and press in tonight, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified, that our hearts and our souls and our whole being, Lord, would just be drawn closer and closer to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are God wants to be near to us and continues to draw us to yourself. We just give you all the thanks and all of the praise. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Oh, it's good. Isn't it good? My goodness. I could have our musicians come. Like, don't you think that'd be a great way to just start every morning? Wouldn't we just like set our day in a whole new direction if we would just start out our morning? You know, the, the bad news, my friends, actually is you can. Just crank up the tunes. We don't need the, um, we don't need all of that. We've got great tunes on the radio too, but carving out that time sometimes is just a different kind of thing, isn't it? But it puts our hearts in such a great place. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming. We're five weeks into this season of Lent. You know, I love as I hear different people, I've been trying to read a bit more about Lent and hear what other people are, are preaching and things of that nature. And it's so funny to me because there tends to be this genuine or overwhelming tone, I should say, of like Lent, the most awful season of the year. <laughs> so I really, as I was kind of navigating, navigating into this for tonight, I just thought it's worth asking the question, how's it going? Are you at that point in your journey? Have you started to discover some things in yourself that are maybe just a little bit painful? Have you been inviting the Lord into those places that you've been discovering? Or are you maybe in that space where you're still just kind of waiting to see what he has for you in this season. You've, you've maybe been navigating through it, you've given something up, you've been coming to church on Wednesdays, but you just haven't quite figured out what it is that God has for you in this journey. Whether you're in any one of those places, I want you to know that you're in a good place. And my hope tonight is I spend just a few minutes, it's just gonna be a really quick uh, message for all of you tonight, and I do mean that, I know I usually get a little bit lengthy, but it really will be quick tonight. But my hope is just to encourage each of us to stay committed to the journey, not because we're obligated to. I hope you've heard us as we've been kind of navigating into this season of Lent, that we're really under no obligation to be a part of this experience or the practices of Lent. God doesn't love us more or less if we do or we don't choose to participate in this. But it was in um, a conversation earlier today that gave me just a little bit more perspective on how it is that Lent came to be. So I wanna take a few minutes and just share that with you, give, a, give you a little bit bigger picture of why it is that the church for thousands of years actually has embraced this tradition of Lent. 
And interestingly enough, it all actually traces back to baptism. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, if you've taken our baptism class, um, you'll know that when we look at the scriptures, the scriptures are just quite clear that once a person comes to faith, they should get baptized. And we see over and over again in the scriptures that this would happen fairly quickly. Um, so people would come to faith, they'd say, oh, well, I should just be baptized now. So they always kind of came, you know, belief first, putting their, their faith in Christ, but then Fairly soon after that, they would get baptized. Now, somewhere along the line, I don't know exactly when and I don't know exactly why, but a couple of hundred years after Jesus had risen um, into heaven, after he had ascended, the church actually started to change their practice a little bit of baptism. And this is what's kind of interesting. Um, and again, I don't know why, but I could speculate a little bit um, because I tend to wonder if maybe they started to discover that there was a bit of this like clinging to that act of baptism and they were maybe discovering that some of those new believers weren't really growing past that stage of new believer. They kind of figured out, you know, getting themselves right with God for eternity, but then it, it maybe rested there. So where the church actually moved to is before they would baptize um, new believers, they would put them through this process of a catechism. Um, it's kind of like if you grew up in those traditions that do um, confirmation for teenagers, it's kind of like that concept. Um, and it, of course, changed over the years. But at one point, they actually required somebody to go through a two-year process of being catechized before they would actually um, put them through water baptism. And water baptism would always happen on Easter Sunday. So it tended to correspond with kind of this time of year. Now what was different about the historical practice um, was that they of course did some of the things that you would imagine and are similar to, to the traditions that kind of still hold true in some of our, um, in some churches today where they would of course spend time teaching and instructing and giving them some knowledge and understanding about the things of faith. I would imagine they were required to memorize and things of that nature, um, which isn't unlike what happens today. But they also spent a good amount of the time then encouraging them in some of these spiritual practices. So things like fasting, meditating on scripture, um, self-reflection, solitude, some of those kinds of things. And what they started to discover is as these people would come through this journey and get to the point of their baptism at Easter Sunday, they discovered that, the, that that process became so meaningful and enriching for them in terms of their faith and their journey with the Lord. And so what the church finally came to realize is, well, if this is so good for them, wouldn't it be good for all of us? And because it all happened just before Easter, it kind of became the beginning of what is now understood as Lent. It was just that challenge to the church community as a whole to take a little bit of extra time to press into some of these things with the goal of making a little bit more room for an experience with the Lord. So you see, this, this season of Lent was never actually about fasting, giving something up. It was never actually about self-reflection or any of those other things. They just happened to be the tried and true methods um, of the ultimate goal, which was, of course, to experience more of God, a deeper, more fulfilling experience of this faith journey with him. So it wasn't about, we have to be careful because it wasn't about putting more icons of God in their life. And let me explain what I mean by that. It wasn't about attaching themselves to religiosity. Okay, Jesus actually had some pretty strong words. So if, if what I mean by this word of religiosity is, is 
being so, um, so tied to religious things or actions or it can be activities, any of those kinds of things. And Jesus really actually had some very strong things that he wanted to say to this. It actually, I'm gonna, we'll pull this one up on the screen, Matthew 23, 27. Jesus said this, he said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Now the Pharisees were the most religious people of the day. They kept all of the laws, they observed all those things that, that were expected of them. <clears throat> but Jesus, when he looked at them, he said, you know what, those things are not giving you a living encounter of the living God. They're producing something that is dead and unclean in you. So please understand that when we talk about some of these practices, this journey of Lent, it's not at all about putting religiosity into our lives. It is about getting ourselves to a point of having these deeper, more meaningful encounters with the Lord. Now, a lot of us in the room had some, um, have had some experience with Lent, maybe as kids, maybe in traditions where we didn't necessarily understand it. Um, so it was kind of that, um, and, and I certainly had this in my life, it was kind of that thing where you just gave something up because that's what you were supposed to do. Um, and so we didn't actually pursue the value that God had in the journey for us. And quite honestly, when that's the, the approach that we take to those things, it becomes quite empty and meaningless. It's no different than what Jesus was saying to those Pharisees about looking whitewashed. You can look good on the outside, right? But on the inside, it just creates dead bones and things that are unclean. So what I came to realize is that when we were pursuing this, when we kind of have that heart and that mind about needing to do these things, um, we kind of get into this place of assuming that we need to attain some kind of perfection, for lack of a better word, we try to somehow achieve the approval of God by doing these things, and if we do them well enough, that has to be the ultimate goal when we, when we think that our, that our faith and our relationship to him is somehow based on our achievement or what it is that we do. But you see, God doesn't call us to perfection. One day, when we make it to heaven, we will be perfect, and we can oh, look forward to that day, right? But you see, when we're here on this side of heaven, the thing that he calls us to is pursuit. So let me put those things together. God does not call us to perfection. He calls us to pursuit. So the verse that I wanna focus on tonight comes out of the book of Jeremiah. It's a very familiar one, Jeremiah 29, 13. It says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you've ever received an email from me, you know that this is like my signature line on my emails because it's one of those things that I need to just keep before my own eyes. And you know, the interesting thing is if we read that verse, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a pretty easy one to understand. The language is simple enough. Um, but I want you to know that I took a little bit of time to look into this word seek because here's the downfall of the English language. The English language, we use so many words to mean so many different things. And so when we use a word like seek, I would imagine for most of us, like what we, the picture that comes to mind is looking for. Um, you know, when we're seeking for something, when we're looking for it, um, you know, that 
Um, if we'll do that, then we'll find God. You know, if we look for him, we'll find him if we look for him with all of our hearts. But I want you to know that the Hebrew language, and this verse comes out of the Old Testament, so it was, it was written in Hebrew. The Hebrew language is so beautiful and so full and so much more descriptive. In so many of their words, they, they have different words for um, like what we would have in for a common language. And so I looked at this word seek, and it certainly means what we would think, this looking for kind of thing. But I wanna share with you some of the other words that are really attached to the Hebrew word. I think it's batak. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But some of the other definitions that are tied to this word, and they're these. Ask, care for, diligently inquire, question, make, inquisition, so you see this process of seeking the Lord is really meant to be one of almost curiosity and asking. There's this real element of, of inquiring. I love that phrase, diligently inquire, that we're supposed to kind of engage in if we truly do want to find the Lord. So I, I wanna just encourage you as you, if you as you navigate through the rest of this Lenten journey, if it's something that you've given up, if it's something that you're doing, whatever the case may be, I wanna encourage you along the way, make sure you're asking some questions. Because if our goal is to seek God in this, then we need to be asking questions of him. We need to be diligently inquiring. So it might be things like, Lord, why did I act that way? Why did I do that thing? What is it exactly you want me to learn from this? Whether right now you feel like you're like getting that something from Lent, or maybe you're in that place of like, I don't know, I'm still waiting. Well, that might be a worthwhile question to ask. Lord, what is it that you want me to be getting from this season? Lord, what is it that you want me to understand because it seems so quiet right now? You might wanna ask him too, Lord, how is it you're moving? Help me to see these things. And now what I love about this verse, I'm gonna bring it back. Now remember, it says, we, we should seek him and find him. We will seek, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I believe that becomes actually the beauty of this verse. It's not just the seeking, it's the heart with which we do it. Because you see, when we seek from a place that is our heart with all of our heart, then we start to seek him from a sense of desire to know him rather than from a sense of duty. And I dare say that sometimes when we navigate into these seasons of Lent, it can start to feel like our duty if we haven't figured out that really the heart of this is to have a desire to have more of him in this. And we have to be very cautious about that because when we pursue God from a sense of duty, it leads to that perfectionist thinking. Because either we did something or we didn't do something, we've accomplished it or not, we did it all the way or we didn't quite make it. And when we haven't quite made it, then we get into that space of thinking that we've somehow failed. And you see, when we do it from duty, and then we don't sense that we've moved any closer to the Lord, it creates a bit of a conflict for us. Because then we're faced with a couple of propositions. One might be, that this faith thing just really doesn't work. Or maybe, and this happens for some, they start to think, I, I don't think God works. At best, we might be asking the question, I think maybe, 
me doing this doesn't work. And I would say that's the best scenario because if that's the question that you're asking, then I would suggest that you're absolutely right. Because we are not called to perfect prayer. We're not called to perfect fasting. We're not called to perfect Bible reading. We are called to pursue a perfect God. And prayer and fasting and meditation and all of these things are really beautiful instruments to help us in the pursuit. But they themselves cannot be the focus. Um, otherwise, we will, we will always be tempted and lured into that place of duty and perfection instead of keeping ourselves in a place of pursuit and um, I forgot my other word, pursuit and desire. That was what I was looking for, I think. So anyway, we are called to pursue this perfect God. I do wanna take just a moment because you know, if you've been navigating in this Lenten season with us, you know that we, we tend to put emphasis on this idea of fasting. And I've talked with lots of people. I know a lot of you have chosen to engage in that and whatever it looks at, um, whatever that looks like for you. It can look in lots of different ways. But I do wanna encourage you to realize that there are lots of other practices that we can do to kind of just shake ourselves up a little bit and create a little bit more room for an experience with the Lord. Um, many of you have probably read books or articles about things called spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. You know, there's things like solitude and memorization and all kinds of these other things that we can certainly do as part of this expression. Um, and so if, if for whatever it's worth, if any of those things are of interest to you, I actually, I'll probably just link some things in like our next celebration insider if you receive the insider, um, because it's valuable sometimes to just kind of look and explore some of those other things that are out there, especially if you find that the method that you're engaging in um, isn't necessarily bringing you to the place that you want to be. So let me ask you this question. I started this message with this same question that I'm gonna ask, end it with. How's it going? How's your Lenten journey? Because maybe you needed just a little heart adjustment tonight. It's my hope that there are some of you in this room who just needed to kind of have that realization that you need to shift your heart a bit away from this idea of perfection and more towards pursuit. It is easier said than done. But if that's you, let me encourage you, begin asking some questions. Okay, now, if, if this isn't something you've done before, I, I will caution you, it feels weird at first. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like that space of like just, well, Lord, you know, and for some people it's very natural, very easy. Some of us have been doing it for a while, but if, if it's not something that you've done before, it feels a little weird at first to just ask him the question. But remember, seeking him means diligently inquiring. Um, my very first, um, when I started Lent this year, I will tell you, I usually, um, I usually do a lot of things for Lent, and I don't say that to make myself sound holy. I say that because um, it's just, I need to challenge myself. I get real complacent. I can get real complacent and comfortable with my place of spirituality. So I usually do many things during this season. Um, but this year as I navigated into it, I was just struggling. Um, I couldn't figure out what it should be, like what it would look like. And, um, you know, I didn't want to just go back to some of the old standbys because I just wanted it to have purpose and meaning. And um, so I spent a good amount of time before the Lord just asking him. And so I didn't start on Ash Wednesday because I didn't have it yet. It took me a few days of continuing to ask the question, Lord, like, 
what should it be? Where am I not, like, where am I not meeting you well? What, am I, what does that look like? And um, I don't, won't get into the whole story because it doesn't really matter right now, but I will tell you that the thing that I gave up, some of you have heard the story, is I had to give up sitting on the comfortable furniture in my house. What a weird thing, right? So no sofa sitting for me, no comfy chair sitting, unless we had company. I had that caveat with the Lord, like um, then it was acceptable, but otherwise I couldn't. You know, but there's just some of those things and I discovered in that process that the Lord really met me there. There was something for me in that process because I had already kind of been asking him the questions about what it was that I needed to, to get out of this, this particular season. So let me encourage you, if you don't know what to ask, um, why don't you just ask some other people what they think would be good questions to ask? Ask somebody that you're sitting with during soup tonight. They just might have some great insight for you. But there are also some here tonight who have desired to know the Lord more for quite some time, but there seems to somehow be this gap between where you are and where it is that you want to be. Quite honestly, that's always my hope. I hope that gap will exist because I know that I will never arrive with the Lord, never have full understanding of him until maybe when we get to heaven one day. But I wanna caution you that wanting it, desiring it, is not enough. If you want to close that gap between where you are and where you want to be, it requires a commitment. Um, Vince Lombardi, I grabbed a Vince Lombardi quote for you tonight, had said this once and it's so good and powerful. He said, most people fail, not because of a lack of desire, but because of a lack of commitment. So I want you to know I'm not perfect in my pursuit of the Lord. I've discovered I don't need to be. <laughs> the more I grow, the more I discover I have more growth I need to do and the more there is to discover about who he is and, and what this faith journey looks like. You know. But I am committed to pursuing him. And it's my challenge to you tonight that you might take steps to make that commitment as well. But here's the thing. Commitment is not a one-time done deal. We need to make our commitments, but then we need to manage them. And managing sometimes means recommitting daily or weekly or hourly, whatever the case may be, but they usually require us to do a little bit of massaging and managing of those things. So you might need to recommit yourself to that goal of pursuing him. And maybe you need to give up on your commitment to the method that you've been using. And maybe look for a different method Start exploring some of these other spiritual disciplines. Start experiencing some of these practices that the church has been doing for years. And maybe for you tonight, when you're sitting at the table, it might be worth asking the question, hey, have any of you done some things like just that are different, that are out of the ordinary? Because I'll tell you, if we'll just be willing to explore those things that are out of the ordinary, you will, I'm telling you, have an encounter with the God who is truly extraordinary. And that's what this season of Lent is all about. So let me pray for you and then we're gonna break and we're gonna go spend some time fellowshipping, grab a bowl of soup. And I hope that you'll take some opportunity to just talk with each other about whatever it is that the Lord has been putting on your heart tonight. And then maybe in the quietness of your time when you get home, ask him a few questions as well and see what he's got for you in that. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, it is truly such a privilege that you do desire relationship with us. And God, I'm so grateful that you can be found by us, not understood completely, Lord. We know that you are just so much greater than anything that we can imagine, but we know that you can be found. And we just pray, Lord, that we will be a people who continue to commit ourselves to the pursuit 
of having more and more and grander and richer and deeper experiences with you, Lord, because we know that is what you pursue with us as well. We thank you so much for this time. We pray that you would just be honored and glorified at the tables tonight and in our conversations. Um, And Lord, as we go tonight, keep us safe as well out on the roads. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you've got young ones, you can pick them up this evening. But again, as always, we ask you to kind of let our students finish up. They're gonna go until eight o'clock tonight, but then go grab yourself some soup and I hope you enjoy some time with each other as well. Thanks for coming out.